you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. Monica Cox, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you for bringing me your Hawaii. She's in Hawaii right now and I used to live in Hawaii. And I was telling <laughs> her how Hawaii from all the places I saw in the U U.S. is the only place I would go back. And she's there. It's how, what time is it there? Uh, it's 6 a.m. It's 6 a.m. It's, it's dark. The sun's just coming up. I'm going to watch the sunrise as we record oh, this. So we are going to have an amazing energies here. Uh, okay, let's talk about you now. I like to let my guests introduce themselves because you know the most about yourself and your life. And it will come more naturally from your mouth. But let's make <laughs> it a little different. And imagine there is this commercial, this beautiful commercial about you. That we are all watching. What would the commercial that is one to three minutes say about Monica Cox? And it can be anything from what you do or in personal life, just whatever you want to say. Oh, that's good. Um, well, I think my commercial would probably start off like pretty dark, but like not knowing it's dark, you know, like just like kind of going through life and like taking the normal day-to-day -day steps and thinking that you're fine and you're just getting through things and then it gets like a little bit scary like things aren't real around me like what am I doing wrong like why am I going through all, the, all these hardships when I'm just like everyone else and then it's like the awakening right like the oh well I'm not like everyone else I've had a lot of suppressed trauma that I was so unaware of, and it basically physically manifests into um, many years of fertility issues, which as a woman, you, you know, is kind of devastating. You know, you, you thought you were fit and healthy and fine, mentally fine, physically fine. And all of a sudden your body's not doing what you want it to do. And then it would be the journey of self-discovery of very, very many, many baby steps to get to that ultimate goal. But when you got to the ultimate goal, it wasn't the baby that you thought was going to save you or change your life. It was finding yourself and realizing that you have so much inner power and inner strength and so much control over your physical and mental environment um, that you kind of get, you know, your, your soul gets set on fire and you're like, more women need to know about this. <laughs> so yeah. it would be a quite dramatic commercial, I would say. But uh, so many can see themselves in what you just described. And in, I don't know how it is in the US, that specific topic. I don't think I have ever asked anyone. And that, that's not a topic you talk about with, you know, like with people you just met or even with their friends, unless it's something really heavy and emotional you're going through and you want to share. But here in Georgia, it's almost always women's, women's fault. Yes. It's always something is wrong with a woman. It's yeah. 
like very rarely would they consider maybe it's a, something is not wrong is not the uh, right word but maybe a man needs to heal himself maybe the woman and even if something is happening to the woman they're like okay she's broken and even the on 13th it was my grandmother's birthday and it was cold and I was wearing a dress short dress and I do a lot of yoga so I can warm myself up in the cold weather for the occasion and she, the her friend was like um and I, I wasn't angry at her but like she was like aren't you cold like take care of your uh ovaries and it's a bad translation it doesn't translate well because you will be spoiled you you will be broken she literally yeah. said that and, and I was just aware of that and I was like if a little girl is told when she's growing up take care of your ovaries put her up warm sauce because you are broken and something happens to her she just thinks she's broken so I would love if you can share how is it in the U.S. how does that feeling of not enough just takes over a woman's life, woman's life when something like that happens and Actually, let's first define infertility. What is infertility? Because we know the words, we hear the words, but sometimes you don't actually understand them and then answer my other questions. Yeah. Well, we're trying to shift the word infertility because it's a useless word. Most people are dealing with fertility issues. So um, over in America and in the United Kingdom, I would go as far to say Canada, Australia, New Zealand, even places in Europe, it's um, if you can't get pregnant naturally within a year to a year and a half, you're deemed to be infertile, mm. which is complete BS because the only person or people who are truly infertile are men who don't produce sperm, they cannot fertilize an egg, and a woman who does not have um, all of the working bits, so your ovaries, your fallopian tubes, and a womb, um, and of course, eggs. Those are the only people that can really call themselves infertile. Everyone else, for the most part, is dealing with fertility issues, and even if you have, you know, tied tubes, or you're missing tubes, or one ovary, um, this is where the med medical assistance is so important because we have this technology to support, you know, getting the sperm and egg together and back into the womb. Um, so from a functional fertility side, everyone is fertile. We just need to figure out what those fertility issues are. Now, um, just like in your country, you know, many other countries, the burden is absolutely put on the woman. Um, because sex has been so taboo in a lot of our countries, um, most women don't even know the menstrual cycle and how it's supposed to work and how important it is to be, uh, regular for their body. And, um, and I want to use the word luscious, right? Like we've always put it behind the door. Don't talk about it. So a lot of women don't even know or could know potentially that they might have some fertility issues if their cycle's wonky, but they're just put on the birth control or, you know, like whatever is going on. Um, and yes, when everything is seemingly normal and the doctors can't find any issues, especially with you, um, obviously the man is very easy to determine. It's a simple sperm test. Um, 
yeah, you take the blame. You know, your body's not working the way it's supposed to. So when you are not on a spiritual journey or maybe you don't have the support around you, you get into a really dark place. You know, you you just think you're broken. You're living in like two-week cycles, right? So you get your period, you wait two weeks for the ovulation. It's another two-week wait to see you're, if you're pregnant and you live in this like really damaging cycle. Um, so it can be, um, yeah, just mentally really exhausting. And as we all know, our mental um, and emotional states can manifest into physical states through stress, especially. Um, so there's very much chemical compounds now that are physical that are um, most likely damaging your fertility on top of the issues you already had already because the stress is so much. Um, so yeah, it can be really painful for the women. And I think a lot of men suffer in silence, you know, um, even maybe with the diagnosis that they're fine, you know, they still have this, um, you know, burning desire to be a dad and maybe sometimes, you know, the emotion of I'm a man, why can't I get her pregnant? You know, how, uh, do you, so, do you think what was, I believe that in everything that money, like every challenge you have in our body, is it constant headaches or whatever it is that uh, it's a blockage in our body and it has, it has, our pain trauma has manifested into this trauma in the body. Why do you think it was for you, this specific issue that it manifested in your body? Have you like dig deep enough to find at least some answers? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so my root cause of infertility was my stomach. Um, so I had severe leaky gut. Um, and what was happening is in your gut, everyone has this lining. It's kind of like a shag carpet. And when it gets worn away, um, particles that your stomach's supposed to keep inside starts going to your bloodstream. And so when these foreign particles are in your bloodstream, your immune system does its job and it elevates. And so it starts attacking these things. And unfortunately, when you get these high levels of natural killer cells, because we all have natural killer cells, that's how we fight diseases, um, it starts attacking your body. So that's why there's a lot of uh, thyroid issues within the third um, fertility community, a lot of autoimmune for me, mine was kind of silent because I didn't have any of those issues. I literally just wasn't getting pregnant, but I had all these normal issues, right? Like, uh, like diarrhea, constipation, bloating. Um, I had a sign like signs of a physical ulcer at the age of 18. Um, so mine uh, was can you very... define what, what is physical, what you just said, physical well, like an ulcer in your stomach is like a spot where it, um, it's like, it's like eating away. It's okay. like a sore that like won't heal basically. Mm. Um, so you've done a lot of damage to that, <laughs> to mm. that area. Um, but my, my, I can stem mine back. So all the way to my grandmother. So my mom is one of nine. She is sixth in line and she's an Irish twin, which means her and her elder brother were born 13 months apart. 
Um, so my grandma had nine kids within 11 years. So when it came to have my mom, my grandma's body probably wasn't in the best shape it possibly could to give nutrients to that, that baby. So I was an, a little egg inside my mom's, uh, uterus at that time. So whatever was affecting my mom was kind of trickling down to me in some, some ways. And I think just to, uh, I think the, when the woman is born, she's born with her, all of her eggs. Yes. Even, or how uh, was yes. it? I, I, I remember I read something, but yeah. either I want, if you can. Yeah. That, that's the knowledge we have now. Okay. Um, okay. There are some scientists that are saying that's not specifically true. And we'll get into equality after that. Okay. Cause that's important too. Um, but my mom was born, she had a very traumatic um, upbringing, a loving parents in the in the, the late 1950s, early 60s, but nonetheless, they came with a buttload of trauma and put that on her. She grew up a lot, around a lot of siblings, and uh, she actually had a hysterectomy at the age of 32. She dealt with a lot of um, hormonal issues that were always undiagnosed because back then they just didn't know. Um, I'm sure she had some type of endometriosis or PCOS. Yeah. Um, and then my that trickled into my childhood. And even though my parents did much better than their parents did, their trauma came down on me. There was a lot of hidden um, emotional trauma that I that I had, and then I had the typical American Western diet. Uh, we were poor, and so we ate what we could. And there was a lot of crap food um, growing up. Lots of sugar, lots of highly processed stuff. Um, I started drinking when I was 17 years old and just kind of continued on that and, um, not anything like, you know, I needed to go to alcoholic anonymous, but yeah. enough, you know, for it to not be healthy for my body. And so all of these things really just added up over time and they kind of were going unnoticed because even though I would go to the doctor and say, oh, I, I have stomach issues. Oh, you have IBS. Just don't eat raw food. You know, it was always these problems. Like I had ovarian cysts all the time. And they're like, no, that doesn't affect your fertility. That's normal in women. You know, all these little things. And um, because a lot of the times we don't look at our body in a holistic way, the, the body is one. And we, for some reason, have separated it. And especially fertility. Um, my fertility issues literally had nothing to do with my vagina or my uterus, but so my stomach was a wreck from the trauma, um, from the physical foods, from the lifestyle that I was leading, lots of things contributed to that. So there was a lot of inflammation going on and every, every body is different and they're going to, the body's going to show that inflammation in different ways. So just like you said, if you're having a chronic issue with headaches, with your stomach, with your skin, uh, with your mental clarity, um, your fertility, your bowels, that is a blockage. And it sometimes I see with my clients, it could literally sometimes just be mental and emotional. And if they work on that mental and emotional state, they can clear it. Sometimes it, it's really just physical. 
they need to change physical things in their life. They have that mental um, self-worth, self-love, all those things. And then like me, it was a combination. I needed both. I needed the whole work. <laughs> how long did it last for you? And how was your own journey? How uh, did you, how long did, uh, and I am not sure, did you have a baby? Um, yeah, so okay. I I have an IVF baby um, because it it took me nine years to complete my family. For the first three years, I was basically clueless. There was this was back in two thousand four, so there wasn't information out there like people like me or anyone talking about fertility issues being linked to other other things in your body. So the first three years were, were just a bit of a shambles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then after our first failed IVF, that's kind of when I was like, right, something dramatically needs to change. Um, the doctors told me that I had a low A quality at 30 and there was like literally nothing I can do, just try IVF again. And I just, it didn't sit well with me. I was like, surely there's something. Um, and so I spent the next... Um, almost three years trying to figure it all out. I changed my um, diet dramatically. Uh, we went and did an another round of IVF. I got better A quality. I got better embryos, um, but I still was I still wasn't getting pregnant. And that's when we did some autoimmune testing, and that's when I finally found out that I had high natural killer cells. And so, with medical assistance, we used immune suppressing drugs and. Out of three pregnancies, I had one live birth, and that was super exciting. And after my last miscarriage, um, that was the medical treatment done. We were walking away from it. Uh, we had our bellies full. I had dramatically changed my, my diet and my lifestyle, and I was fairly confident in my body. I just didn't have, I didn't have an expander. And I don't know if you use that word in your practice, but like people who are doing what you want. So someone who is very similar to you and has achieved what you wanted to achieve. So I didn't know it was possible. But um, two months later, after my um, last miscarriage, I got pregnant naturally. So I have two baby boys. Um, so yeah, it was like I said, my 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 commercial is pretty dramatic, but it not only ends with two baby boys, but um, I found myself. And now I'm sitting here talking to you. I have my own podcast. I have a successful company supporting women, you know, to take control of their bodies physically and mentally and stop listening to the aunties, to the doctors, to all these people who don't truly know. Um, you know, there's a big myth, like the myth that we're born with all our eggs, which I think maybe at the end of our lifetimes will be proven that that's not true. Um, there's a myth that you can't change your egg quality, which is complete BS because eggs are cells and every cell in your body regenerates or in, is controlled by your environment. So your mental and emotional environment, your physical environment, which could be food, it could be, you know, the toxins in the air, you know, all the different things they build up and your cells react to that. And so your eggs are cells. And so your eggs are basically reacting to how you're living. 
and you have a huge, huge amount of control over that. The thing about that is it's not tangible. You can't feel your eggs, you know, improving. And so you have to look at other goals. You know, what are your normal or your common health issues and focus on those. And when you see those improving, then you can feel confident that it's trickling down because fertility, um, you don't need it to survive. So if your body's in this hyper state of fight or flight, it's the good first thing that's going to turn off or should turn off, really. Your body's just trying to keep itself alive. And so when your body doesn't need to do that anymore, it has extra energy to give to your hormones, to your eggs, to your uterine lining, all those things that are important to, you know, bring another life into this world. I like how you said, I like the word that you use normal issues. Uh, I have said it many times before. We get so used to something bothering to us that we think it's yeah. normal. Like yeah. we think it's normal to get bloated. Obviously, if you eat the whole restaurant, it's normal to get bloated because they just, but there are people who eat one apple or maybe like tiny bite and they get bloated and they think it's normal. They even like joke that, oh, I look like a pregnant and it is not normal. All those normal healthy, health issues that we got used to is not normal. And even hearing you just, uh, we have to raise awareness about these normal issues because mm -hmm. it can manifest into bodies interconnected, as you said. Uh, one of my guests were saying that the gum issues can manifest into gut health issues. Mm -hmm. Everything is interconnected. So I yes. really like how you use the word, word normal um, issues. Yeah. That's important to uh, note. Uh, what was your biggest spiritual realization? that was holding you from birthing something into this world? You know, um, I didn't have any big spiritual awakenings during my fertility journey. Um, I did really small things um, like change up when I have a baby, not if I have a baby. Um, so during that time, it was all kind of, um, that small mental work and I was, got into meditation and yoga and all those things to calm my mind because there's a lot of type A women within the community and we're always on the go and like, we always have to prove ourselves and then fertility issues heighten that. So I kind of did all that stuff. Just, I was doing that stuff. It was actually after I had my boys and I started the company that my spiritual awakening or like, oh, I've got a lot of trauma to unpack. <laughs> and it was really because I felt, um, and it, I mean, it's interlinked with the fertility journey is I was doing all the right things. I'm doing all the right things in my business. Why aren't people coming to me? Why are they not receiving my message? And then that's when I had to start going really deep and like, well, you don't even, um, you're not worthy. Like you don't believe you're worthy. So therefore, why would anyone come to you? Or I had a lot of trauma to unpack about people not listening to me. So I've always kind of been a little bit of an outlier in my family anyways. I've always been uh, very different. I left when I was 18 to go to Australia, just like, the, and people thought that was crazy. I got married at 22 and moved to the United Kingdom. Um, you know, I've always been this outlier, but 
And especially when I started my um, health and lifestyle, I would tell people and they wouldn't listen. You know, they had these ailments and they would be like, oh, no, that doesn't work. And so I had a lot of negative impact or feedback for a really long time. And probably, you know, you can go back into your, your childhood as well of people just not listening. So I really had to work on that inner core belief of worthiness. First, it was self-love. I think I discovered self-love during my fertility journey. And I didn't realize how much I didn't love myself. (laughs) Like it was, you couldn't, from the outside, I had put up a big enough wall that no one would have believed that. But like the inner was like, you don't love yourself enough. Um, and then I think it translates into the worthiness. Like, are you worthy of abundance? And abundance could be anything, right? Like whatever you want abundance of. And um, yeah, I had to really face up, face the mirror and say, I don't feel worthy of this love. And even from my husband or from my two boys, am I worthy of these boys that I got now? Um, so it was really entrepreneurship that kind of made me um, really look deep and I'm still working on it. Right. Like it's, it's a forever thing. The subconscious mind is, um, very powerful. And, um, yeah, I think I'm just happy that I'm aware of it right now. I think that's my biggest win right now with the spiritual journey is that I'm just aware that I have these subconscious beliefs and I'm able to work through them and being patient because you feel like you do so much work, right? You feel like, okay, I've, I've got my meditation in daily. I'm doing my yoga. I'm, you know, like doing all these things. And yet you haven't moved through that block. You can still feel it somewhere in your body. And for me, it's always my throat and like my heart. And it's like, okay, I feel this. Even though I'm saying out loud, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. I can feel deep inside me that I don't believe it. So it's like, okay. Let's, let's slowly do the work. And I think, I think sometimes um, it's got to be slow progress, right? Because if you were gifted with the clarity and like where you want to be all of a sudden, um, it, it would just be too much. And mm-hmm. maybe you wouldn't know how to handle all that, um, all the abundance that you're about to receive. So, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. When you mentioned that for your second boy, you just got pregnant naturally. Was it a point of where you did let go or were you still trying? Um, no, I completely let go. I mean, we were still trying. We, we weren't using protection, but um, no, there was, there was no um, testing. I mean, I was just still, to be honest, recovering from the miscarriage. Um but it wasn't so my natural pregnancy was just kind of like what I was talking about with the spiritual journey it was a slow stepping point it was my pregnancy with my IVF baby was probably my most healing that I was doing physically because I already I knew what I needed to do and that pregnancy absolutely made me stick to um the diet that I had to be on I had to slow down. I was lucky I didn't, I didn't work. Um, I had very low stress. So not only was my body able to grow this beautiful baby, but it was actually taking care of itself as well. 
And so when you see people who have fertility issues, um, get pregnant with IVF, and then they think they've done nothing differently, they have actually put in an incredibly, a lot of hard work during that pregnancy to heal their own own body because they've slowed down. They know how important this pregnancy is. They've worked so hard for it. And then you can have the flip with secondary infertility. You know, these women who get pregnant really quickly and um, have no, no issues, they don't change anything and they're still on the go and it's still, I've got to achieve, I've got to do this, but they're growing a baby. So their body can't handle both at the same time. So after their baby's born, they get a lot of, um, you know, postpartum depression or onset thyroid issues or onset diabetes during their pregnancy. Um, so it's really that time can be make or break for not only your baby's health long-term, but for your health right now. So I think um, the combination of, I mean, it was probably, I probably took a year to heal my body, if I'm really honest. And just with the way um, things worked out, we had the Zika virus, my husband was traveling a lot. Um, we couldn't physically try naturally between my IVF baby and um, my last medical treatment. So the first time we had unprotected sex after that is when I got pregnant. But it wasn't just a case of relaxing and letting go. It was a huge combination of everything I had been putting into play for, mm. at that point, two years. I think, and I might uh, not say it exactly, the quote about inverting the light bulb goes something like, it was just, it wasn't like that thousand times that I failed. It was just yeah. an invention for with a thousand steps or something like that. Yeah. So how do women understand that every journey is different and it is not that they are not getting pregnant, but that's just their a pregnancy and to them to get pregnant just takes more steps for them to others because yeah. it is so hard when this one thing is we are born women to do is to give birth and you want to give birth first of all how do you start those um understanding of why do you want to have a baby because there might be uh, not right intentions it might be because I want to feel enough because other stuff because I want all my friends have kids and then how do you understand that it's hard when everyone around you is having babies when you feel not enough to be like okay I'm, I'm gonna let go and surrender and I'm just gonna understand that my pregnancy might take years and years it's so challenging to do I don't think yeah <laughs> it's hard like they can't do that it's just so hard yeah, there's no good advice there for that one. Um, because you feel very time poor when you are in the midst of fertility issues. So it's easier said like when people are just starting, but if like you're listening and you've been dealing it dealing with it for years, um, you feel time poor anyways. Um, all I would say is the time's gonna pass. The time's gonna pass. So you can either use it to improve your situation the best way you know how through diet, lifestyle, um, you know, working, looking at your past, working on your past traumas and doing it for yourself. Um, the baby's the cherry on the top. And I, 
can honestly hand on heart say if I got, <clears throat> excuse me, pregnant at, at 27, when I first started trying, I would have been divorced by now. And I wouldn't been able to be the mom I know I could have been because I still had all this trauma and all this BS in my life. And even though it wouldn't have necessarily been the awful story that you would maybe see on the news, I think it's your typical stories that you see every day that people, you know, think that a baby's going to solve anything or you solve your marriage issues or, you know, like, I just want someone to love. And the thing is, is that no matter if your baby came easily, if you paid for that baby, or you waited a long time for that baby, that baby is going to trigger your past traumas. And no matter how much you love your child, there are times you're going to want to throw it outside and lock the door and don't talk to me because those past traumas come up. And now you're dealing with your own, you have to deal with your own emotions and your own triggers, but you have to deal with that kid and make sure that you're not passing on that trauma to the kid. So it is, um, yeah, when I, when I, to my community and to my clients, I'm always like, I know it's really hard right now, but know to take this time to heal those things the best that you can because they don't go away. That child is not going to make it better. And I even had a client who um, has two IVF babies. She wants a third. Um, she's still using medical treatment, but she knows her body just is a wreck. And so in our coaching sessions, I'm not a trained counselor, but I'm your best friend who's going to call you out on things and tell you the truth and lead you if professional work needs to be there, lead you to someone. But one of her things was her second baby was during, during COVID. And because there was so much fear and anxiety and being locked away from your families and all that, she doesn't, she felt like she didn't give that baby what they deserved. So she said, I want a third so I can do it better next time. And I said, you have to learn to forgive yourself for, for feeling that way. Because I'm telling you right now, mama, you did the best you could in that situation. And you took care of that baby. And even though you might not believe in your head that that was the right way, it was the way of the world at the time. And the third baby is not going to fix that. You have to fix that internally to yourself. And you have to forgive yourself for that. Whether it was you were doing right or wrong, right? That's not the question. You just have to find that, that inner forgiveness. Um, and so it's like for everyone. And I can confidently say this because I deal with it with my two boys. And not only me, my husband as well. You know, my husband isn't on this spiritual journey and um, I'm never here to like influence anyone to do it, but I'm definitely like a little shining light over here going, you didn't escape the trauma. We all have it. And um, he gets triggered by our eldest and our eldest is a spit of him. So similar. And I said, it's not your child. It's you. The way you're reacting is an inner reflection of what you went through, whether you remember it or not. Um, and so it's just really important. If you have the time, 
um, to take care of, or just even start the steps, like recognizing, you know, I feel like once again, that's my biggest takeaway right now is when I get upset with my kids and I'm, you know, on level 10, where the situation really calls for a level five, <laughs> I can take a step back and reflect of like, why are you so mad? Um, for me, my second child is a spit of me and his crying triggers me. And through emotional work and um, emotional freedom tapping, especially, I discovered that I was shut down so much, right? As a child, my emotions were shut down. Wendy, the whiner, wasn't invited. Stop crying. Why are you crying over this? You know, just massively shut down. And so when I hear him cry, it triggers those emotions in my inner child. And mm -hmm. the frustration and anger that I felt from my parents about my crying, it is the first emotion I feel and it triggers up. And so I have to calm myself down and say, he's crying because this is his world. And he's upset that he, I don't know, can't eat candy off the dirt floor, like whatever ridiculous situation it is. It doesn't matter to him. It's sad or it's emotional or, and just to help guide him through that. But you can only guide him through that when you're like in your inner peace or you have that awareness. And those are the kind of traumas that, you know, our generation is, is going to stop, right? We're going to make a yes. big breakthrough. And I think every generation's done the best that they can do, you know? Yes. We are all victims of victims. I think Louis Hay said that, um they, our parents are victims of their own parents and that's mm -hmm. how it goes like even thank you first of all for being so vulnerable and open about how triggering can be to be a mom can be yeah. even for me my own son you mentioned crying his crying was and still to these days i'm getting better at it but it's so triggering because i was shut down a lot because um for from 12 to and then I got married at 19 I was raised by my grandmother and she was not able to handle my emotions so she would uh, never allow me to cry and mm -hmm. when I got to a point where I was hysterical because you bottle up and you had to she was like she didn't know what she's she's phenomenal she's she she raised her own set of kids she had a crazy life Im like whatever woman can imagine all the worst things happened to her and she was raising another set of kids imagine like yeah. two kids she's the, but she wasn't able to handle my emotion she would like tell me like I'm gonna call the ambulance just stop crying stop crying yeah Mm -hmm. My son's crying triggered me so much. I had to leave the room because I was in rage. Mm -hmm. And it took me four years to be at a point where I am somewhat comfortable with him crying. Yeah. And I had to shut him down because if I wasn't shutting him down, I was getting so... Shutting down meaning like, don't cry. Just use your friendly voice. Just tell me with your words don't cry you can cry when something is hurtful for you but don't cry when you are complaining because I was getting I wasn't able yeah. to handle my anger and it's the scariest thing for a parent to be so resentful of your child and so mm -hmm. angry at your child yet you want to just like I don't know just go away and just like be with your own self alone and leave everyone else and that is so real and moms don't talk about it 
our kids are the mirrors for us. They mm -hmm. show us all the hidden parts. You mentioned like you had this huge wall. We all have that wall. And yeah. they just break down that wall, these little humans, and show us what we try not to see for all these years. They are yeah. just like these open mirrors for ourselves. And we see all of these things in themselves. It is literally suppressed parts of ourselves. And I want more moms to talk about this openly and there to be less judgment about being a not okay mom all the time. Sometimes yeah. I often say sometimes I'm a shitty mom. I have <laughs> days. I have few days when I'm phenomenal mom. Mostly I'm okay mom. And then I have days when I'm a shitty mom. And we all have those days. And it's so important that you talked about and then shared that because so many people can see themselves in me and you and in this conversation. Let's talk about a little bit about IVF. Um, because there are different words in different countries. Majority of the listeners are from the US, but we also have listeners from Georgia and other parts of the world so what is ivf and there are mixed um opinions about it sometimes spiritual community feels like you know how it is yeah there are always mixed opinions so i, I would love you to just share your personal yeah it and what is first of all ivf yeah so ivf is just a process where they take the eggs from the woman they take the sperm from the man and they marry them in a petri dish <laughs> yeah and um and there's different processes now um to monitor the eggs or the embryos growing um and they just um, they can see the quality of the embryos. And this is the only way you, one, can test for egg quality. Um, and then you can see what the embryos are like. You can do testing to see if it's a genetically viable embryo. Um, they can, I've heard IVF doctors admit that you can't look at an embryo with the naked eye and say whether or not it's good or not, but they can have kind of like, a judgment, a good judgment. Um, and then it's put back into the woman and you are on uh, supportive hormonal drugs through the process. But basically after um, you get pregnant, it's kind of up to your body to do it. So IVF, I always say is a process to put egg and sperm together. It doesn't get you pregnant. Your body still has to do that work. Um, yeah, I mean, on the religious side, of course, like you have science interfering with what they believe is God's work. Um, now, that's whatever your opinion is, is your opinion. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't bother me. But what I would say about IVF, it's being very misused now. So it was invented for women with um, severe fertility issues that they literally could not get egg and sperm together and get it into the uterus. Um, it's now being used for anyone mm. with fertility issues, especially unexplained. Um, and the issue with that is, and it's, you know, it all links back to the child is epigenetics. And um, the studies are out. IVF children are, you know, more likely to have ADHD, eczema, you know, all these kind of a normal issues that we think are normal for kids now, autism. 
And it's, I personally believe it's not because of the IVF process itself. It's very, um, I mean, it's very like in your face, but it's, it's pretty invasive to the sperm and the egg, right? It doesn't change anything. Um, but what we're doing is we are basically tricking the body into doing something that it couldn't do naturally. And so, um, especially with the immune suppressing drugs, even though, you know, I can speak very loudly about how they work, how they don't work, what they do to your bodies, um, you're now really tricking the body into believing it can grow a human being. And so um, if you're not helping your body doing the best you can, um, you're just really opening the door for your own personal issues and issues for um, potentially your child. So that's really um, the issue with IVF. Um, mm -hmm. It's a great support if you actually need it, or even if you just choose to have it, let's say you've been dealing with fertility issues for years and years, it does speed up the process. You know, a lot of the times you can collect um, a year to two years worth of eggs, which would take you a very long time to see. You can get the best one and, and speed up the process that way, but you'll still be wanting to do the work um, at least minimum three months before that, um, if not six. Um, so yeah, I, I have a very much love and hate relationship with um, IVF, but I just want people to be um, just knowledgeable yes. about what you can do for yourself before. IVF wasn't the answer to my infertility. Yeah, I got a baby out of it, but um, the root cause, it was never going to fix it. Yes, obviously. We could talk about this all day for you and all it's like uh, night here so all night for me uh, we can always uh, you can you're always welcome to come back and even dive deeper into this topic but now I have like two or three more questions for you but before I ask you where can people find you and more about how you can bring value is there anything you really wanted to mention or anything you wanted to talk about and I just didn't get the chance to ask you the question um, no, I think we've, we've covered a lot of, um, different subjects and wide ranges of the whole, you know, mm -hmm. fertility aspect into motherhood. So I think your listeners, yeah, hopefully they enjoyed this. I'm enjoying it so much because, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, when, especially a woman has been through such a challenging thing, uh, it gives me a different perspective for my own life, you know, and not to say, oh, like, obviously, I got pregnant when I was, I wasn't even expecting it. Like, it was so easy for me. But that's not the point. Even, like, in different aspects of my life, if I'm going to be, like, try in my mind, um, be not grateful for something, I would remember you and your own story, you know? And I would be like, okay, there are people who go through this. And hearing this from a real person, face-to-face -face conversation, it's like, it feels more real. And I can have that examples from your life to my life that will be like, okay, not to minimize my pain or my life, but be like, okay, there are so much things to be grateful. And this deep, hearing these different stories helps us. So I'm really grateful that yeah. you're sharing this story with uh, me and with the listeners. Where can people yeah. find you and how are you bringing value today? 
Yeah, so I am at Finding Fertility on all the social media platforms. The website is findingfertility.co. Um, and yeah, if you go there, you can download a free PDF. It's the first kind of basic three steps um, into diet, mindset, and supplementation um, to get you going. And there's lots of different options um, to you know gain knowledge from free stuff on Instagram, TikTok, and my podcast to working with me in a group coaching session or one-to-one. And I will link everything down in the description, description box. And this is the question I ask everyone and I end the show with it. Leave me and listeners with something on top of your, on top of your heart, a word, a sentence, whatever comes up. Um, for me right now, it's worthiness. Really tap into the worthiness that you were naturally born with and somehow along the way you've lost and tap back into that because I think that's a huge game changer for everyone. We are enough. I am enough. You are enough. We are all enough. No matter what we have, no matter who we are, who we are becoming. I love that. Thank you again, Monica, for being my guest, for your wonderful energy, uh, even at 6 a.m. And <laughs> for this beautiful insight, for being vulnerable and open about such a challenging part of your life. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you listeners for listening. And until next time.